Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 92nd edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Dave Campbell of Woodworking or Wood Magazine. How's that vacation going, Sean? Yeah, the vacation's going great. (laughs) That's a near miss. But before we get into that, let's introduce each other. Hi, I'm Sean Diami. How you doing? I'm doing well, Sean. How are you? And and that guy I insulted was was Dave Campbell. It was Dave from Wood Magazine. How are you, Dave? Hey guys, how you doing? I've only things are fabulous here. I've only subscribed to the magazine for decades, <laughs> or, or over a decade, and I can mess up the name of it. That's great. Well, the tendency is to overcomplicate it. It's very simple. It's just wood. We're getting set for our big uh, weekend with wood coming up here in uh, in May, and uh, planning is uh, is going on full force. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a great event. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Diami, what <laughs> what's what's been going on? You recently have uh, traveled. I have, I have. I've, it's been a busy time since we last recorded. Uh, I haven't, unfortunately, actually made anything in the shop, at least not in my own shop. But a couple things. I've got some, well, I'm recording on a new microphone, and I just wanted to take a minute. This is the second recording I've done with this. John and SP over at Better Podcasting uh, sent me this mic. I, I actually won it in their little podcasting competition. Mm. And it's a Audio-Technica mic, and they could rattle off the model number. I can't. Uh, but I just wanted to thank them for the mic. And hopefully it improves the quality a bit. And if anybody is into podcasts about podcasting, Better Podcasting is a good podcast to listen to. In the shop, I've actually got the new, I could never pronounce it, uh, Slogeberg. Um, is, it, is it Schoesberg? Schoesberg? Schoesberg. Schoesberg. There we go. Thank you, Dave. The, I've got the, the anglicized version of it anyway. <laughs> yeah. good no. enough for here. I've got the the Smart Workstation Pro, which is their like benchtop bench. Mm. Yeah, Affinity Toolworks sent it to me, and I got to put it together this weekend and see how it goes. I made my dad a couple years ago. I made him a benchtop bench based on Jeff Miller's design that was in one of the magazines, and I'm blanking on which one it was in. That was a really cool little bench, and I never got around to building myself one, so I'm eager to try out this one and uh, see how it works. And I'll certainly share that once I get some time putting it together. Let me see. I'm also I'm looking dapper in the shop because <laughs> I have my Canadian woodwork shirt from Paul Leminski and my Dusty Life shirt came today. So if you're not already regaled in woodworking T-shirts, there's a flood of new ones on the market. Uh, you can go out and get your shirt. But I think what you were really alluding to is that last weekend or two weekends ago now, I went down to Tampa and I hooked up with our good friend Tom. And we stopped at uh, Home Depot. We spent about $70 on lumber and screws and glue. And then we went to the woodworking shows. And by the end of the day, we had built a bench. That's all in the same day? You did that in the morning before the show? No, all the same day. The night before, we decided, you know what? Let's build a bench tomorrow. And then literally in the morning, we stopped at the the, the lumber yard and bought some. It was 2 by 12 2 by 10 and 2 by 6 I think we bought. And... We kind of immediately drove to the loading bay and just emptied out his car. He got yelled at because he wasn't supposed to park there, and he pulled around. And I walked in the back of the show uh, with all the lumber, and we stacked it up next to uh, next to actually Jim at the Wood Magazine booth. And then yeah. 
throughout the day, we kind of borrowed people's tools and built the bench. And by four thirty, five o'clock, the bench was done. Not. Too yeah, I watched the video of that guys. It was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And uh, my, my only question was: Did the guys from the woodworking show know that you were going to do that, or did you just drop in? <laughs> they had no idea. And awesome. you know what the funny thing was is. We didn't talk to them all day. Like back when the Chidwicks were very involved, I'm sure I would have seen Sh- uh, Sherry Chidwick like nine times as we were in the course of building this thing. And oh, yeah. no one from the show mentioned, like no one from the show talked to us at all, all day while we're building this thing in the back. All the other, you know, all the vendors and everyone, we talked to all of them and everybody was really, really nice and supportive. And, you know, we, we used tools from about a half dozen different booths and everybody was great. And we got this nice picture of everybody at the end. And I'm very appreciative that the woodworking shows didn't, you know, throw us out. But it was a little odd in that no one from the woodworking shows actually came in and approached us as we were building this thing in the back of their show. That is wild. Yeah, it looked like you guys were in a, a, a back alleyway or a hallway of some sort. And, uh, I mean, it, it's awesome that, you know, even just the, the different sellers and presenters out there. You know, so I saw, didn't you, like, just, like move Jim Heavy to the side and use his saw or something right there. Yeah, and we, we actually waited in, in between I'm his sure classes. We used his class, saw. Yeah. Glenn Huey was a little annoyed because I was using Jim's miter saw right next to the 360 booth while they were trying to give a lecture. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. <laughs> well, later we used their saw, so it all worked out. That's what's been going on in my shop, Sean. Have you had anything going on in yours? Not at all. I am currently uh, on spring break with my kids. Are, are you on spring break, Dave, or are you actually doing things in the shop? <laughs> no, uh, actually, well, my, I'm an empty nester now. My kids are both in college. Every week is spring break for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you, you guys are probably going to laugh because this is kind of a cobbler's shoes kind of thing. But, you know, the cobbler, they say the cobbler's kids have the worst shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I started building a, a bench about 15 years ago, and the bench itself I completed right away. But I never... Mm-hmm finished building the drawers and putting the doors on it. And uh, 15 years later, I'm finally, I finally got the drawer boxes built over the weekend. And so I'm going to get the, the fronts on those uh, hopefully yet this week. Oh, excellent. Yeah, excellent. I know. Now, when you say it's a bench, is it like a, a seating bench for the house or a workbench or what kind of bench is it? That's a workbench. It's a work okay. Bench. So you've been able to work on it for 15 years, even though it didn't have drawers. Yeah, where, where the drawers are, they're just like cubbies because it's uh, the design is uh, the drawers are single box that can slide open either side of the uh, of the bench. It's in the middle of my uh, my shop, okay. so uh, so that single drawer, if I'm whether I'm on the east side of the bench or the west side, I can access the contents because I can just you know pull it either direction. Okay, that's great. What type of bench is it? Um, it's actually a modification of a wood magazine plan that we did about 15 years ago. Um, we did a side draft, uh, table, side draft workbench, uh, where we had a, a box that popped up the side, uh, at the, at the top, at one end of the bench up at the top and, uh, and a, a blower motor and a furnace filter in there. And it's so what it actually would, if you're standing course, would just suck the dust right down through that chute. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, cool. get filtered out there. So I didn't really need the uh, the, the downdraft or side draft capability. So I just built it as a uh, as a regular bench. So okay. nothing fancy. You just uh, you just reminded me of a conversation I had with a guy with uh, last week, um, who he just tore down a family barn, and uh, he was talking about all these beams and posts that are in still decent shape. I said, oh, really? What are they? And he didn't know. He said there was some of them were chestnut and some of them were oak. Um, and uh, so I think if not next week, but the 
following, I'm going to get a chance to go out there, and he said I can have whatever I want before he puts it up for sale. So I think I'm going wow, to make a bench. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, depending on what I can get. But you know, I just want to make a a, a fairly you know robust, robust style something with chunky legs and a and a big top. I don't know if I want to go split or not, but um, depending on on what those are, I hope I can make it out of four or five pieces and not a bunch of laminations. Maybe. Mm. Well, that should be uh, that should be interesting to see you build. Yeah, that. yeah. I'll I'll take pictures when I when I see it and share it on the webs. <laughs> should be interesting. Can you fit that bench in your shop? Uh, it'll take the place of the the holocore door on sawhorses. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have a good replacement. Yeah. Oh my god! What an upgrade! <laughs> and the uh, the row of dog holes I have in my cabinet top that I built. That 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 does second duty. I know we're getting really tangential here on what we're all using as benches, but if you have a row of dog holes in the in the countertop, what is the countertop that it's able to support dogs and can it support holdfast and other things? Yeah, so I made the um the counter the 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 whole cabinet is just a a basic cabinet made out of plywood. I just made a real open carcass, and then the top is two layers of three quarter ply. and then some hardboard on top of that. So okay, I actually so have an inch and five eighths of material to go through. Um, and, and you know, regular like uh, I have got um, tools for working wood, grammar C, holdfast. Yep. Yeah, I have like, set myself. They'll grab in that, which is okay. kind of nice. All right. Well, enough about benches. Enough. Um, <laughs> what what we really want to talk to you about, Dave, besides all the great benches uh, that you both built and, and have in the magazine is weekend with wood, which I hear is coming up soon. Yeah. May, May 19th through the 22nd. This is uh, this is the fourth event uh, that we've done. We started, um, uh, started a few years ago doing this and uh, it, it's, it's a, if I do say so myself, it's a pretty cool event. It's um, uh, woodworking education. It's, it's uh, uh, three days. Uh, we get some of the best instructors in the country. Uh, Mark Adams, George Von Driska, um, a guy named Tom McLaughlin, who's a, a primarily known as a chair maker from up in, uh, in the Northeast. Tom is fantastic. Uh, named, I've taken lectures with him. He's, I'm very excited to see him there. He's a fabulous teacher too. I have not met him. We, we did an article with him, uh, on building a dining room chair about, uh, four or five years ago. And he was one of the first instructors that we hired for weekend with wood. And he's got a, a, a just a great teaching style. He's, uh, it's kind of funny. Everybody's a little bit different. Mark Adams is like rapid fire machine gun. Uh, you, you're, <laughs> you're truly drinking from the fire hose of woodworking information when you take a class with Mark. Uh, <laughs> so you get a lot. Um, but uh, uh, Tom is so laid back. It's just a great teaching style. I really learn a lot from him every time he comes. Mm. Um, the guy named Terry K. Moore, who has also um, uh, built some pretty high-end furniture. He's uh, also from, uh, from Tom McLaughlin's uh, neck of the woods. And uh, uh, I think I mentioned George Von Driska from Woodworkers Guild of America, um, also the Wilder School. Um, he's a, a very skilled teacher, got a real dry sense of humor. Um, and Jim Heavey, who you mentioned earlier, uh, who has uh, worked for Wood for uh, 25, 26 years now. Uh, and of wow, course, we have the uh, many of it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. I, I mean, I've been at the magazine for 18 years now, and he was already working with us before that. So, um, and then uh, the wood editors themselves, uh, our senior design editor, Kevin Boyle, and our uh, design editor, John Olson, our deputy editor, Craig uh, Regsager, um, our tools editor, Bob Hunter, 
So we've just got uh, it, it's there's uh, there's ten classes going on simultaneously all weekend long. Okay, not bad. Now, is that a change from the format you guys have done in the past? I I thought in the past there were frankly I just thought there were many fewer choices. I was surprised to see how many classes there were to pick from this year. Yeah, every year we try to uh, try to grow the event, and this year we added another classroom, which allows us to uh, accommodate more people. Um, the, the it's kind of weird. Um, you know, we we don't hold this event in a hotel ballroom or uh, or a conference center or something like this. The the classes are held actually in in Wood headquarters in our building, and so um, you know, it actually a couple of them, one of them happens in our photo studio, which is the um, which is the shop that you see in the magazine all the time. Uh, okay. The other one happens. We have classes actually in uh, the main main uh, shop, a sixteen hundred square foot shop where we build most of the projects for the magazine. Um, and then we have uh, lots of other spaces, shop spaces. Uh, one of them is the Better Homes and Gardens Photo Studio. They have a complete wood shop down uh, at their photo studio for for propping out sets for uh, for homes, uh, for you know room settings and things like that. So, so that's actually there. their pro- their production shop that they use to build sets. Yes, yeah, you know they they usually you know they buy pre they buy manufactured furniture from or they get it from sponsors or whatever. But the the room sets and all that they have a full shop down there that uh, okay. Uh, that they actually build from. So, and we just we just keep finding little areas of the building. You know, one of the classes is in our is in our paint booth. So we've got a we've got a spray booth uh, in the in the building that uh, that Jim Heavey teaches a lot of his finishing classes in. So, um, and we've got a carpentry shop in the basement that has I don't even know what year, but it's got to be from the 40s or 50s. A big Walker Turner bandsaw, and it's just. Oh, wow. uh, it, it's and I think that thing is probably just anchored in the concrete forever. When the building comes down, that bandsaw is going to be in there. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we do keep growing the event. Um, I think the first year we only had eight sessions going simultaneously, and we have we'll have ten classes going on at a time now. Okay, that's awesome. And it's it's three sessions a day, four sessions a day. Yeah. So in terms of what a guy is, goes through. Yeah. So. Um, it all begins. We have our opening reception on Thursday night, and that's when we kind of get to know each other. We pass out the swag bags. Uh, each attendee gets a swag bag. It's a bag worth of full of woodworking goodies that that is worth at least two hundred and fifty dollars. I think we're going to well exceed that uh, again this year. Uh, last year's uh, bag was worth about four hundred wow. woodworking stuff in it. Um, so that's what that happens Thursday night. We kind of talk through the event. Uh, we have, actually the uh, the speaker of the Iowa House is a woodworker himself. His name is Craig Paulson, and uh, he'll do a little uh, a little welcome uh, from the Iowa legislature, which is pretty <laughs> cool. Um, and so just a chance for you to get to meet uh, other attendees and things like that. Um, and then uh, classes start on uh, first thing on Friday morning. Uh, classes are two hours long. So we have a class from eight to 10, and then there's a half hour break between where you can get a cup of coffee and a, a snack and, and uh, chat with the teacher a little bit more or some of the wood staff if you want. Another two-hour mm-hmm. class then from 10.30 until 12.30. Um, and at 12.30, we break for lunch. We do feed you as part of your, uh, as part of your tuition. And uh, the food is – it's not a box lunch. I mean, this is a, this is a buffet dinner that you'll get at lunch. Uh, and we, we take a break there. We, we hand out door prizes. Uh, we'll have, last year, we had about $6,000 worth of door prizes that we handed wow. out. And I think we're going to exceed that again this year. Um, all tool prizes and things like that uh, from sponsors. Um, and then, uh, the last session is from two 30 until four 30. And, uh, after that, we, on Friday, we'll do our class picture where we'll get everybody that's together at the event. We'll get them all together in one spot and take a picture of the whole class. Okay. Um, 
and Saturday is the same schedule. Um, and then Sunday, uh, it's the first, uh, the first two hours, two set, first two sessions of that. So from eight until 10 and then from 1030 until 1230 and at 1230, you can, you're welcome to catch a flight or, or hop in the car or truck and, and head back home after that. So there's a total of eight sessions, uh, for your tuition. There's three on Friday, three on Saturday and two on Sunday. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And now you, um, you, met, you mentioned that it's, it's in your home, your home court there, obviously with, without being in a conference center or, or hotel, you know, rooms or whatever. Um, how limited is your attendance for events like this? Um, uh, it's, it's fairly limited. Um, it's, it's kind of an exclusive thing. I mean, we can take uh, a little over 200 people for this. Um, oh, that's awesome. so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a premier, um, kind of a premium deal because it is, it is, uh, uh, it's not, it's not one of these cattle call events. I hate the cattle call events, you know, where you don't have a schedule. You can just wander from one class to another because my experience with that is everybody tries to pile into the good classes that's offered that the good class that's offered that session. And then nobody gets anything out of that class. There's too many people in the room and nobody's comfortable and all that. So you do actually pick the classes that you'll go to. And we have several full classes uh, already, so sometimes you kind of have to pick around them a little bit. Most sessions are offered more than once, so if you miss it the first time, there's a chance maybe you can pick it up the second time. No, that's that's, that's good. I mean, that means I mean you've got 200 or so people split between 10 classes. You know, roughly 20 people in a classroom. That's a good focused group for an instructor. Yeah, it's our, we 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 will fill a, we'll call a class full at 25. Uh, we we really have. Uh, we really want this to, to be accessible. We want the teachers to be able to have access to the students and the students to have access to the teachers. Um, it's, it's informal. You can interrupt in the middle of a session and ask a question if you want. Nobody minds. Um, but we purposely kept the class sizes small so that uh, the information is accessible and, and you're, you don't have too many distractions going on. Also, we have in every room, we have uh, large flat screen monitors and we have a, a videographer in every room. So even with the small class sizes, you know, woodworking can be pretty, uh, pretty detailed and fine, obviously. And uh, we have uh, camera operators there that, that shoot even the details. And so even if you're in the, the back row of a, a room, uh, mm-hmm. you're still going to be able to see all the detail because of the, the camera work and the, the large video screens. Yeah. Now, with these being tucked in throughout your campus in rooms that will accommodate it, um, is that a single building we're all in or is there multiple buildings through the campus? Uh, there, we have a, we have two buildings uh, on our okay. campus that are connected by a skywalk um, that, that goes over the, the street that, that is between the two buildings. But all of the classes for Weekend with Wood are held um, just in the one building. And okay. most of them are located pretty close to one another. So um, there's uh, there is some walking, but it's uh, but it's not it's not a ton. It's very manageable. OK. But that, that what I was getting at is is it, will you have an opportunity to see other instructors and other attendees in between classes, or are you basically going to be hiking from one spot to another in between these to make classes on time? No, absolutely. You, you'll have plenty of time to network with other, with other attendees and with the instructors. We, uh, we allow uh, 30 minutes between classes for, for passing period and you need maybe five if you were okay. to do that. Oh, okay. So we, we have sort of a central gathering area in the building, uh, sort of our, our, our central gathering for weekend with wood, it's called the, the conference core in our building. And it's, it's kind of the, the conference core and cafeteria are kind of side by side. And so we kind of just take over that for, for the two, for the, the two days that, that we have uh, lunches there, but that's sort of the gathering point. So after your first class, you'll come back to the concord and you'll grab a, a cup of coffee and there'll be, uh, you know, maybe brownies or cookies or treats or fruit or something like that. 
and you have a half hour between classes and we sometimes make little announcements in, in between classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, you know, if, if somebody's, you know, lost their iPad or something like that, we can make announcements and kind of, so we, we kind of regather, uh, a couple of three times a day. Um, okay. so, uh, it's, it's, it's great fun. And, and, uh, and the wood staff, uh, they really, you know, I'm going to pat them on the back here because they do a fabulous job, uh, of, of keeping, uh, uh, it's one of the, we, we send out post event surveys, uh, every year and we get a, we get a tremendous response. First of all, and just we get like 78% response rate, which is unheard of wow. for a survey. And uh, we just keep hearing over and over and over again from people how much, how, how they felt they were treated so well by everybody in the building. I don't know if it's the Iowa nice thing or what, but we, we, <laughs> we do get a lot of compliments for, uh, for, you know, helping people out getting people through the building. Um, if you've got time, I've got one really quick story that, that sure. uh, yeah, go happened last year. I had a guy come up to me uh, during uh, during the first break of the first day last year, and he said, "Dave, can can you tell me where there is a Sears nearby?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "Well, yeah, there's there's one that's about eight or ten miles from here. Uh, what what do you need?" He said, "Well, I, I just need to go down there and get something." He said, uh, "He said I uh, my my baggage got damaged in the uh, by the by the airline." And I said, well, how are you going to get down there? I don't want you to miss any classes. He said, well, I'll just, I'll call a taxi. And Des Moines is, Des Moines is an Uber town, but it's not a taxi town. I mean, to get a, mm-hmm. to get a taxi in Des Moines, you need to be at a hotel or at the airport, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he said, I, I said, well, he said, I, I've got to get something to replace this suitcase. And I said, what size do you need? And he said, I don't know, you know, a, a big one. And so, um, so I said, all right, you, you go to your classes and we'll take care of it. So after people went back to class, I tried to find somebody that was around, but we, we you know, it was just kind of an all hands on deck thing. And we pretty much use everybody in a couple of different situations. And, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody to, 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 to make a run for me. So I hopped in the car and I drove down to, uh, down to, uh, Walmart and I bought the guy a suitcase and brought it back for him. Cause I didn't want him to miss the class. I didn't want him to have to do the cab fare thing. So it was just, I just didn't want, this guy's name was Floyd. He's a great guy from Florida. I, he's probably in his 70s, and he just felt so bad about his, his suitcase being damaged. And I did, hated to see the guy with a broken heart. So I just ran down and got him a new, got him a new bag. So, you know, that's the kind that's, of customer service we have at Weekend with Wood. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I expect no less. Yeah. yeah, that's a very high bar you've set. That is great. Um, yeah, hey, Sean. If your if your bag comes damaged, that's not my problem, buddy. <laughs> hey, I'm driving, so I'll be doing the damage if it does. But if my car breaks down, I might ask for a hand. Yep. We, we've got roadside assistance. We can help with you. Too. <laughs> awesome. Hey, I want to tell you about a couple of new events that we have this year that we're pretty excited about. Um, and these are optional events. So these are things that attendees. Are these the um, evening events? Yeah, yeah. Um, so these are a couple of things that, that we haven't had in the past. You know, we don't know how to put on the event. We've never done one until we did the first one. So I, I think part of what makes our event different is, uh, is we just put on an event that we would like to go to. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we cut, but we kind of had to get the, the, the main event right first to, before we got started on some of these extra things, but we have a couple of really cool things that we're, uh, that we're doing this year for the first time. Uh, the first one is on Friday night and it's after we get our group picture taken. Uh, there's Acme tool company and Acme is, um, they're associated with uh, tool crib of the North. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, there's several Acme oh, yeah. retail stores in the Midwest and we're, we're we've worked with them to get, uh, an exclusive, uh, we're calling it Acme after hours. 
and their store closes at 5.30, and they're going to be open for two hours exclusively for weekend with wood attendees. And they will have, uh, they'll have uh, discounts on tools. They're planning to have uh, factory reps coming in from all the major tool manufacturers to, manufacturers to, to demonstrate tools and, and give you some hands-on. Uh, there's going to be food and beverage there. Um, so it's a really cool thing. Um, one of the things that people have said is, <laughs> we come here with money in our pockets. We got permission to spend money. So where can we spend money? So we're trying to accommodate that uh, that option for for people that really want to come and buy some tools and stuff while they're here. Um, we okay. you know we're like we're using all available space for classes, so we're not really able to set up uh, you know a vendor area per se where people can you know buy stuff. So this is the way we're, we're able to accommodate that with the Acme After Hours things, and we'll we'll handle the transportation. We'll take you from from uh, our Meredith offices to. Uh, uh, over to Acme and then back to the hotel or back to Meredith, wherever you need to go. Um, so uh, that's that's the first event that's pretty cool. Mm. The second one that I'm really excited about is uh, is the Saturday night event. And this is uh, this is the Rigid Ryobi uh, Little Free Library Charity Build. And so okay. our plan is to is to uh, put together uh, teams as many teams as we can to build. You, you guys are familiar with the Little Free Libraries, right? I'm not. You're not familiar with I, that at all? I think we talked to Chad Stanton about them many, many months ago, but I, I'm, we don't have them here, so fill us in. Let's assume that we're not. Sure. Okay, so the Little Free Library movement started with the guy up in Wisconsin, and he wanted to promote literacy, and he thought the best thing he could do to promote literacy was to make books available. So he fashioned just a little weather-tight box on a post and put it out in his front yard. And it's a it's a lender's library. He he just put books in it, and anybody can come up anytime. It's 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 weather tight. It's got a door on it. You just come up and help yourself to a book. And if you have another book that you want to replace it with, you do that. When you're done with the book, you put it back. So the idea is, you know, you can put kids' books in there. You can put adult literature. You know, whatever you want in there. It's just to kind of encourage literacy. Well, this thing has really taken off, and they've got thousands and thousands of these registered. It's a nonprofit organization. And uh, they ask you if you build a little free library that you, you register it with their site so they can keep track of it. And their goal okay. is to have a little free library in every town in the country at wow. some point. So a couple of issues ago, we did our neighborhood book nook that appeared on the cover of the magazine. And that was, uh, that was our version of the little free library. Mm-hmm. And they, they called us up after that came out and said, hey, we really like your plans. Um, you know, we don't have great plans on our website. Can, can we work with you on that? So we're working with them on that right now. But the idea came up to, to do this where we could do a, a, a build event where we would build a whole bunch of little free libraries. And we've always wanted to do a charity build associated with Weekend with Wood. So we talked to the folks from Rigid and Ryobi, and they're going to provide all of the tools for the event, um, uh, cordless tools and some miter saws, um, I think we're getting hammers and some other stuff. We've got some uh, some Craig uh, Foreman pocket hole jigs, uh, okay. which really mm-hmm. are the motorized, super fast pocket hole jigs. Mm-hmm. And after we build all these little free libraries, uh, they're going to go. They're going to be distributed by the Little Free Library Group uh, to different uh, different organizations so that they can put them out in in their space so that they can again promote literacy. And then we're going to give away all of those rigid and real tools uh, through uh, through drawings at the end of the evening. Okay. That's really cool. I, I just did a quick search for just Little Free Library. I literally have never heard of it before. Um, and there's thousands of, of examples of those. That's a really cool idea. We're really excited about it. Um, it's uh, We were always kind of trying to find the right charity to do it for because 
you know, are you going to be excited about it? You guys coming from out of town, if we do it for an Iowa charity, and if we don't do a local charity, then how do we distribute these and all that? And the Little Free Library people are going to help us with the distribution. So all we have to do is get the things built. Uh, we're not going to paint them because that's just going to add a, a bunch of extra time. And it also mm-hmm. allows the people who receive those to, to one of the, one of the things you see, if you look on the site too, Sean, is you see how customized they are and how different they all are. Oh, absolutely. Um, so people can take these and paint them whatever color they want. I'm a, I'm a Northern Iowa fan, so I paint mine purple and gold, but you know, somebody else might not want that. So that works in so, Wisconsin too, doesn't it? Or no, no, does not work in Wisconsin. Hold on. North, <laughs> Northwestern, they're the other purple and white. No, okay. They've got to work somewhere else. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think purple and gold is exactly the wrong colors, especially in Green Bay. Well, it's, yeah, I wasn't thinking professional. I was thinking college-wise. It's oh, okay. actually the right colors for my high school. Oh, there There's you go. a lot of purple and gold. There's a lot of purple yeah. and gold, yeah. They're out there. So we're really excited about that event. Um, uh, that sounds awesome. How many first, are you hoping to make? Um, well, we, we, we're hoping to make about 50 of them. Uh, we're oh, still wow. trying to hammer all the details out. Um, just, you know, again finding space to do to build 50 of these um so we're, we're still trying to hammer all the details out uh, about it but but we're really excited about it you know we've, we've got about six weeks to get this all together and i think we're i think we always seem to manage to pull it off somehow when we add things <laughs> like this so uh, i've got i've got a great team and we've got some great people supporting us on it so i remember getting the emails and signing up for these uh evening activities that were announced after the the show was announced um, are they open to everyone? Do they have the space to accommodate it or is it basically first come first serve and only a certain number of people will get into these evening events? Uh, actually it's, it's, um, we're inviting uh, a lot of guys bring their spouses, uh, to Des Moines, if not necessarily to the event. And that's another mm-hmm. thing I, I forgot to mention. We actually do have a spouse event. So, um, you know, we're trying to remove it, remove any objections for guys that want to come to this. And so we do have an, an event that, uh, that I think we've just got a couple of spots left in it. But uh, if you, if you bring your wives uh, to the event, we do have a, uh, and I, I hate to say, I don't mean to imply that only men are woodworkers and only, you know, I, I don't mean to imply that at all, but 96% of the guys, the people that come are male. And so most of the spouses are female, uh, just sort of works out that way. <laughs> but, um, but we've got, uh, it's a, it's a uh, two and a half uh, day program now for the spouses as well that, that, uh, that participate in that. And there, there is a charge for that, but, um, and we just have a couple of spots left in that. So that's one of the things that's kind of nice because it, it is kind of nice to be able to travel with your spouse. Um, I know that there are some people that precisely come to this, so they don't have to be, but that's a completely different story. Um, <laughs> so, so back to the original question is, uh, the, the events after hours, the spouses, whether they attend the spouse event or not, are welcome to attend that as well. And it's, it's, uh, it's for anybody that depends that we can with wood. The, the, uh, the questions that we asked about it was not a commitment necessarily. It was just, we just were trying to gauge interest in it to know how many to expect. Okay. So if you said no and you want to come anyway, no big deal. <laughs> I know you and I, Diami, we're coming alone and we're not a <laughs> We're not yeah, and I think we'll uh, we'll probably both be be buying some tools and building some um, some libraries. Oh yeah, there you go. We'll we'll uh, after the fact we'll paint a big MWA on it and put it somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Have you guys um, registered for your classes yet? I did. Yes, we have. Yes. Okay, both are locked in. Good. Cool. Yeah, and Good. I, I'll be honest. It was one of those things where I registered for it. it feels like months ago. And I know I signed up for t- some with Tom McLaughlin because I, I enjoy him. But beyond that, 
I hope you guys kept track of it because I couldn't tell you what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got you covered. And in about a month before the event, so probably in the next uh, in the next three weeks, uh, we'll be sending out a hard copy of your schedules to you so that you'll have those and you'll, you'll have them uh, when you get here. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I know mine was a mix between different topics, different instructors. I tried to get a mix of of most of what could be offered. And yeah, the, we try to cover say, uh, all skill levels as well. Uh, you know, you, it's not an event necessarily for advanced woodworkers, and it's not an event necessarily for uh, for for beginners or lesser skilled woodworkers. We we do have a broad range of classes available. Uh, the, actually, oddly enough, one of the first classes that sold out or that closed that filled first was a, a class by uh, by Terry Moore, and it's called uh, Inlay Binding and. Inlay, uh, inlay and edge binding, and okay. it's uh, it's it's uh, edge binding is uh, like where a guitar back meets the side of the guitar. Um, that how you hide that joinery and put solid wood in there. And okay. uh, that was oddly enough, that was one of the first classes to close. I just thought that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so that seems a level, all skill levels. Seems a very specific class. It does, but uh, you know, once again, you just we throw a lot of stuff out there and you never know what it's going to what people are going to jump on so it's, it's it's always interesting every year and i think that speaks to the breadth of classes you guys have with with running was it 10 classes simultaneously and having four classes a day there's really a, a lot of different types of classes available throughout the day it's not just as you said it's not just simple things it's not just complicated things it's some very generic but very important some very specialized stuff so it should be a nice breadth of class yeah, we like I said, we try to offer a little bit of something for everybody, and and uh, uh, and we hope that you can find eight classes. We're, we're pretty sure you'll be able to find eight classes that uh, that will fill the bill for you. I, I think that's definitely possible, and and we mentioned it before. You know your your capacity. I mean, you're you're pretty close to selling out at this point. You know, or you know, should we put out this? you know, the sales pitch to say, Hey, if you're, if you're thinking, if you're on the edge, do it now because opportunities are closing fast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are, we're really close to, to a sellout right now. Um, but one thing is, uh, if you, uh, if you want to look up the event, uh, we'll plug the website here, but it's very simple. It's weekendwithwood.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if you want to check out the, all the class schedule and, and, uh, and the hotel information and all of that is, is right there. Um, if we would sell out, uh, we would start a waiting list immediately. When we sell out, we, we create a waiting list, uh, occasionally someone, um, you know, because people are signing up for this a lot of times in September and who knows what's coming the following May. And, mm. uh, occasionally people will have to drop out because, you know, somebody's graduation came up or somebody's getting married that you didn't know about. And, and so we occasionally do have cancellations. So when we do sell out, we open up a waiting list and then we fill those spots from the waiting list. So, um, so even if we're sold out when you hear this um, and you're interested, go to the website anyway and get on the waiting list. You'll also be among the first contacted next year. So if okay. you don't get in this year, you'll be one of the first to, to get the chance to register next year. Now you said this is the fourth year you guys have done this. Yeah, this will be this our fourth. Be. So have have you? Um, have, do you have people coming back repeatedly, or are you seeing a fresh a bunch of fresh new faces every year? How is that? Uh, how's the attendance gone in that way? It's it's both. Um, we have uh, I haven't looked at it uh, for a while this year. Uh, alumni get to register first, 
Um, okay. They get advance notice of registration, so uh, they kind of get it's one of the benefits of getting in is once you get in, it's easier to get in um, in subsequent years. And I want to, let's see, last year, the, for the third year of the event, we had, I want to say between eight and 12, I don't remember what the exact number was, uh, people who had been to all three events, and several of those wow. were coming back again this year. So for a lot of guys, this is going to be their their fourth. Um, but the event is is going to be uh, at least half again, not not double uh, what it was in terms of attendance the first year. The first year, we didn't even announce the event until January, and we had 135 guys here in May. Um, so we pulled off that. That was pretty amazing. We pulled that off in four and a half months. Mm-hmm. Um, that is now having a whole year makes it a lot easier to plan. Um, <laughs> but you know, each year there's more alumni. And, uh, and so, uh, we do get a lot of repeat customers. We really do. Um, uh, and, and I think that, that, I think that speaks to the, the, the power of the event. I have, to, I have to tell you one power always makes me think of this guy. The first year that we did this, it was the last morning. It was Sunday. We were during the last session. And I don't teach any classes. I just kind of I keep tabs on what's going on for the whole event, and I kind of make the announcements and all that kind of stuff. But I will wander from classroom to classroom, you know, just kind of check and see how things are going. And uh, this was the last session of the last day, the first year that we did it. And uh, I was I was standing out in the conference core area there, kind of tidying up some things there. And this gentleman comes comes by and he says, "Dave," he shakes my hand and he says, "I just wanted to." just really wanted to tell you how great this event was. I mean, this was, this event was, was life changing. Wow. And I'm looking at his eyes and his, his tears, he start his eyes are starting to well up with tears. And wow. he was just, he went on and on and on about how this was, he, he just, you know, as woodworkers were so, so many times, you guys know this, that's part of the popularity of your podcast. We're, we're working in isolation in our shops. And we don't have somebody to bounce ideas off of like, like I do in the office, mm-hmm. you know, we've got, you've got, and so for these guys to get together with other like-minded people, uh, this guy just, you know, he did, he's been working by himself for years and just didn't know. First of all, I think it was confirming for him that the things he's been doing, he's been doing right. But then he also <laughs> learned ways to do things better. And he just, his, he's, this guy was, his eyes were welling up and he started to make my eyes well up. And he said, he said, I got to stop talking. I'm going to leak all over the place. He said, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will be back. And he's one of the guys that's come back, but that was just so moving to me. I mean, I thought here we are, we're just putting on an event and this guy's getting emotional about it. So really powerful moment. And, and, you know, that's, I think that's kind of the, the effect that we have on some of the people that come. It's, it's, uh, it, it is really, uh, uh, I don't want to call it a networking thing because that sounds so shallow, but no, but um, you when you're, to- when you're a woodworker and you've got people in your immediate life who tolerate it and who don't want to hear anything about it. But most (laughs) of us don't really hang out with other woodworkers constantly. And to spend a a three or four day weekend surrounded by woodworkers, it doesn't matter where they're from or what they like to build. You just, you talk woodworking all weekend and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I know exactly what, what he was talking about and we're spoiled because I mean, you get to do it with your coworkers. Sean and I go to, you know, thankfully multiple events a year and get to talk to people. And we talk to people, you know, on the podcast all the time, but for the guys who are just in their shop to get to see another woodworker, it's what I constantly say about all the events we talk about is you go for the other people and everything else is just icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, the, if you, if you've never been, I mean, go, you know, 
to a class, to a, a, a seminar, to a, a convention, to any of those things, no matter what your focus is or what your interests are, in the, when you're surrounded by like-minded people, it, it's awesome. You know, especially the first time, and then it just it's, it gets better every time you go back. Yeah, I, I liken it to um, to almost like a church retreat or something. You know how sure. you it, it just reinvigorates you. It it just gets you excited again about woodworking. Um, it, it's one of those things where it affirms you as a woodworker to a large degree because you kind of you see how somebody is teaching something and you go. Yeah, that's the way I do it. I guess I'm on the right track, you know. <laughs> and then uh, we've had guys, uh, Kevin Boyle, our senior design editor, taught a cabinet making class last year. And he's got kind of a um, an unusual way of, of uh, making cabinets where he starts with the face frames and starts with the face frames and builds everything else to, to fit. And we had cabinet makers that were like, you know, if I'd have done this 30 years ago when I started making cabinets, I'd have saved so much time. So even those guys are, are learning things. It's It's kind of like, you know, just shop tip after shop tip after shop tip. And, and uh, it, it's a pretty cool weekend. And I got to tell you, I, I just I am so rewarded and so blessed to to uh, to be a part of it every year and, and to see how guys respond to it. It's great. No, I can't wait. We're excited to have you guys. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be we awesome. Agree. We're excited to come. It'll be my first time to Iowa. Me uh, too. And and I'm excited just to see just to see the place. I mean, let, let alone the classes. But I, like I said earlier, I've been I've been a subscriber for years, and uh, to be in that familiar what I've seen on on, on pages of a magazine, it's going to be a, a cool kind of experience. Well, you'll also get the treat, Sean, too, because we uh, many of the projects, uh, most of the projects that we after we uh, build them. A lot of them get donated to charity auctions and things like that. So uh, you know those those projects continue to give back to the community. But we do keep uh, we do keep a, a large number of them around in in a couple of gallery areas, uh, one outside the shop and then one right outside our offices. And it, that's that's one of the highlights for a lot of the guys that uh, that, that come to the event because uh, you, you know these are not uh, these are not projects that were built from our plans. These are the plans that the project. These are the actual pieces of furniture that that are in the magazine. So it's not just yeah, I built one just like that. You know, it's not like the one that's in the magazine. It's literally the one that was in the magazine. And so you get to see a lot of that furniture, and there's some pretty spectacular stuff. We've got such a great uh, team of designers and builders. Um, you'll see some really cool stuff, and and uh, and that's what you know. For a lot of these guys, as you mentioned, Sean, you know, longtime subscribers, this is a little bit like coming to Mecca. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because. because you know, they've seen these in the pages all the time. And a lot of people, when they get down to the, if they have a class in the photo studio um, where, uh, where the, the photos for the magazine are taken, they're kind of, they're kind of blown away by that. Um, oh, and we, that's the other thing we do um, is uh, everybody gets their picture on the cover of Wood Magazine. Um, <laughs> so oh, that's we, pretty cool. We, we do that every year. So we've got the commemorative, uh, commemorative cover. All, all the guys that have been there for, uh, for three years, and this will be their fourth, they'll have a wall full of, uh, of Wood Magazine covers with their pictures on them. Oh, that's cool. I'll put it right next make... to our Little League pictures. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm going to make my dad jealous. He's been, he's been with the magazine for awesome. as long as I can remember him in the house, and um, he's never been there. <laughs> so I get to hold that over him. That'll be fun. There you go. <laughs> Invite him next year. I'll do that. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we move on to other topics, Dave, is there any, do we miss anything about Weekend with Wood? 
Um, no, again, I think if you just want to, to, to check it out, um, uh, even if you're just kind of making plans for next year, um, check out a weekend with wood.com. You'll find all the details about the event there. And, uh, and if it's too late for you to get in this year, uh, you know, don't sweat it. Make sure you, you sign up for the waiting list and we'll be in touch with you for next year. All right. Well, we're going to quickly, uh, run through our five questions before we let you go. No one comes on the show without answering these questions. So, um, I'll start off with the, with the intro question. How did you get into woodworking? Uh, like so many guys at my daddy's knee, um, (laughs) my, my dad was an accountant, but, uh, he, uh, he always called himself a frustrated carpenter and he would have, uh, he would have loved to have done woodworking for a living, but, uh, practicality intervened and, and he went into banking instead. Um, I was just telling my kids because they were home for Easter the other day, um, the, that I have, uh, an end table in my family room downstairs that is my father's, uh, junior high school, uh, project. Um, okay. so I, I have that, that, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I kind of ended up, my dad was a, a woodworker and a DIYer and, uh, and, you know, I've decided I had all these tools. What else could I do with them besides building walls and stuff for the house? So, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's just been something I grew up with. Oh, awesome. That's, uh, not everyone has that chance, but that's pretty cool. I mean, especially to have old stuff. And my dad didn't create much. I mean, he was DIYer, but you know, wasn't making furniture back in the day. So. Right, my kids right. now have a dresser that he's made, but uh, that's that's of their generation. It's pretty cool to keep it going. So, uh, with that in mind, kind of the next question: What is your favorite tool? Could be currently, could be of all time. But what is your favorite? Oh man, I'm sitting in the shop right now, looking around. <laughs> um, I, you know, this is going to probably strike you guys as an as an odd one. But I really love my Grizzly baby drum sander. Um, oh, no. When I first got that, I, uh, you know, it, it's one uh, that I had, a, I had a bigger one. I had the big Delta uh, before that, the 1836 Delta, and it, it was too much. And I thought, how often will I use a drum sander? But I, I'll be honest with you, I think pretty much every project that I build at one point or another, those some parts are going through the drum sander and, and, and I just, I hate sanding, I guess it's the main thing. And, uh, and I, that, that is one of my favorite tools. Yeah. Um, and I also did love you my, call it, uh, did you call it a baby? How big is that? It's a 12 inch, uh, 12 inch drum sander. It's oh. a, it's a, it's a closed body one. So it's a, it's a bench top unit and, okay. uh, looks kind of like a lunchbox planer. Yeah. A little taller, but yeah. Yeah, a little taller, a little bulkier, but yeah, basically like a lunchbox planer, um, but it's a drum sander, and and I use it all the time. I use it all the time. Now, you said m- some parts from almost every project end up going through it. Did you not use the Delta that often? Was it just too big and too cumbersome to use? Yeah, it took up a lot of space in my shop, and and it was uh, it was actually. Um, it was kind of a different time. My shop was configured completely differently. It wasn't outfitted as well as it was. I, I mean, I still had a radio arm saw in here and, and mm-hmm. you know, how your shop is always evolving. Mine, that Absolutely. was one of the evolutions was getting rid of that. Cause it, it took up more space than for what I was using it for. And this, this baby drum sander is perfect size and I use it a lot. Okay. Well, um, in your woodworking, who has influenced you the most? You know, that's a, that's a tough question. There's no I wrong answer. Not, well, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I, I probably have to go back to my dad again because I learned so much from him. 
I'm not a big guy that is that is necessarily, um, you know, I'm not necessarily a green and green guy. I like their stuff, but doesn't necessarily have a place in my house. So I don't, I don't, I don't build it just for the sake of building. And I build a little more on on a need base basis, which is, you know, maybe different from a lot of guys. Um, okay. There aren't, I mean, you know, I like Krenov stuff and, and I like Sam Maloof stuff and I like green and green stuff, but I wouldn't say any of those have really influenced me. I'm not, I'm not a great, not a great designer. I don't really like to design. I like to work from other designs and modify them to, to suit what I need. Um, okay. I just, that's just not my forte is design. So I'm usually building somebody else's stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm fairly similar to that. I, I see a lot of stuff and I see a lot of plans, but yeah, it's usually, if anything, I'm going to tweak it a little bit or, I mean, I don't have a problem just remaking it either. You know, it's, I, I don't have the most creative mind, although I'm, I'm, I do design as a, as a job. It's not woodworking design. It's a little different, but yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of arts and crafts, so I guess, you know, stickly, I, 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 that even <laughs> sounds cliche, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> But you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to have a, a set style. If you're just, if you're like you said, you're not building to, for the sake of building. You're building because you want it. You need it. You're going to put it somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's going to fit your. It's going to fit what you want. Yeah. So it's you know, it's it's not going to be necessarily the. Well, it might not be necessarily the most creative thing, but it also might not be the most amazingly dramatically well designed thing too. It's just that you know, this is what looks good here, and this is what fits here, and this is kind of kind of like that anyway, like stickly or whatever. Mm. Yeah. But I, I think your, your initial answer of your dad is probably the yeah, best answer. Cause, um, you know, the influence doesn't necessarily need to be designed. It's just, you saw him making things and that influenced you to make things. Sure. My dad, we, he had a, uh, like a, a 12 by 12 shop in our basement. And, uh, and my brother, who was two years old, we shared a bedroom that was right opposite on the, on the, the other wall, right opposite the shop. And so my okay. dad would be in there. He, you know, he worked bankers hours, of course, but he would be up at five o'clock in the morning out working in the shop, you know, which of course yeah. we could hear. And, <laughs> uh, and at night he'd work in there until 1130 or 12 o'clock at night when he'd get home. Um, so it was just always around. Well, that's, that's great. That's inspiring. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. So, uh, what was your biggest stumbling block and could it have been avoided in any way? Yeah. In woodworking? Yes. yes. Not taxes. <laughs> um, I think my biggest stumbling block is uh, lack of organization in my shop. Um, I, I go into, um, you know, we get into some shops sometimes of, of, of readers and we get a lot of pictures of, uh, uh, of reader shops. And uh, I just look at people's shops and I go, where's all your stuff? <laughs> uh, you know, and, um, if you could see my shop, it's actually probably in the best shape it's been in a long time because I finally have all those drawer fronts and drawer box parts off of the top <laughs> oh, of the, the off the top of the bench where they've been for 15 years. Um, I, I'm not a horribly organized person, so I can even set a tool down and not find it a second later. So that's probably my biggest stumbling block is is uh, is is organization. And I would say uh, up until. Up until the, the, the kids were gone, until the empty nester thing, my biggest stumbling block was time. Uh, my kids were mm-hmm. very active and stuff in high school and still in college. And so, uh, you know, every weekend was going to uh, a show choir competition or a jazz band competition or a 
uh, or a play or something. And so uh, time was a huge challenge for me uh, up until the last year or so. Okay. Yeah, I, think I, I understand I, that struggle. Yeah, we're both on that. Absolutely. And I, I, yeah, I'm because you your kids are very young, right? I mean, that makes it really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they. Uh, well, I'm not gonna say it makes it hard. I mean, it is what it is. We all go through it as parents. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, they are. They are all on the younger, on the younger side. I think. I think Sean, your kids are slightly older than mine. My but oldest I, are eleven. I, yeah, I'm twelve and nine. Okay, so, so we're right there. Older. I'm eleven and seven. And Diami's older yeah. than me, three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to. I mean, it's, it comes down to making choices, and uh, you know, uh, I made the choice to sort of set the woodworking. I'd set it aside completely, but um, it was not a priority for me personally. It, it is professionally, of course, um, but you know, the time I spent in the shop, I could spend time in the shop or spend time with the kids, and there will always be time for time in the shop. But you won't always have kids in the house, and so that's that, you know that's the decision I made, and it's not the right one for everybody. But uh, but I'm glad I did what I did. Yeah, I have no doubt that it's going to change. You know, in the next twelve years or so, when everybody's up and out, and you know focuses can be a little different. Uh, and I just want to mention on the whole shop organization thing, I'm of the mind that those people have everything in their place all the time, have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad or a good thing. It's just, okay. You know, I've been in a few shops. And I like seeing them used. It's like my house too. I, it doesn't need to be spotless all the time. It's good to have a pillow out of place every once in a while. It's just, just a thing. Yeah, we've, uh, we used to do some uh, newsstand publications that called America's Best Home Workshops. Um, and some of those shops there in there were just fabulous. Uh, the, the, the first issue that we did, we had some guy that had this uh, A-frame shop. It was in the, the upper level of some A-frame building with huge windows that overlooked some mountain lake. And oh, wow. he had hardwood floors throughout the shop and, and every piece of machinery was matched. It was all general machinery. Um, so every, everything was the consistent green I, I swear the guy had a, a Persian rug in front of the table saw. I don't think that's true, but but that's that's kind of the feel <laughs> of the whole place. And you just look at that and you go, you know, does the guy build anything in his shop except stuff for his shop? You know, you just don't know. Um, right. And uh, but you know, we also have a lot of engineers that become woodworkers, and those guys tend to be organized just unbelievably. And so I think that that uh, mm. that's kind of an influence for a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and to move on to the last question, how has the internet influenced your work? Well, I think, you know, I've got to lean toward the availability of woodworking information, both as a, as a consumer of woodworking information and a creator of woodworking information. Um, you know, when you had, all you had was black and white photos on print, uh, it, it was a lot of work sometimes to convey woodworking techniques and processes. And in this day and age of podcasts and YouTube videos, uh, and I, I mean, search for woodworking on YouTube, there's a million guys out there that are producing woodworking videos on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and they're, some of them are doing it pretty well. Some of them are doing it not so well, but you know what? They're <laughs> trying and and you know what? It's it's all it's all good information. Sometimes you learn how not to do something by watching somebody do something. <laughs> but but you know that wasn't available 18 years ago. Um, well, it probably was, but it wasn't widespread 18 years ago when I started oh. the magazine. So yeah, uh, it's it's just become such a part of our uh, of our woodworking lives and our lives in general. I mean, 
we have this joke around our around our family where somebody will ask like a trivia question or you know just like I wonder what would happen if you and it's like gee it's too bad we don't have a handheld pocket computer that we could pull out of our you know and and instantly access you know a database of millions of items you know because it's your your phone is everywhere and your phone is your internet and uh, I think it's I think it's been a huge great great thing for for woodworking um, you know guys like you and, and guys like the wood whisperer and and the things that we've been able to do now that, that you could have never done in print before uh it's just uh uh I, I guess the downside to it though is that we're not i think that sort of the video game age and the internet age is has produced fewer hands-on people if you know what i'm saying people are you know they're, they're sitting behind a, a computer at their desk at work and then they go home and sit behind the computer at home and and you know look at facebook and and, and, and that's actually, you know, taking time away from people in their shops, you know, and I think it can be kind of a cop out sometimes too. So I'm going to look this up and I'm never actually going to build this project because I just want to watch the video over and over and over again. But, but I, I think it's, I think it's been a great thing for woodworking, but there is, there is kind of a, like, like everything there's, there's a, there's an ugly side to it as well. No, I, I would, I would agree. But I, I think there's also, thankfully, a lot of those people who sit behind a, a screen all day, they get home. And they feel the need to build something tangible, and I think it's it's sparking a lot of people who didn't ever grow up building with their families, um, and they want to make something tangible. And a lot of them are getting into woodworking and just making in general. I was gonna say the the, the, the maker movement, you know, be it what it may, uh, is it, I've I've seen that, you know, and I'm I work in a technologically based you know environment in, in my office um i go home and i work in my wood shop but i don't have many people that can bounce ideas around at work they're not totally into woodworking but i you know i'm hearing you know this guy does his own work on his boat and this guy does uh he actually was talking about using software to then you know or how his his uh cnc router wasn't quite working for what he wanted to do it with and i was like oh really you do that kind of stuff and so it's not it um and and these are like younger people that I'm like, you know, it's it's interesting to see the the branches of of activities that they're doing. You're I'm you're hearing more and more about that now. Um, and I, 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 the hope is, I guess, that it's not dying off, but it's um it's changing in a way. Yeah, I would absolutely agree, and I think that the the maker movement is. Uh, I think what we're going to see is the maker movement is actually going to sort of back people into woodworking because mm-hmm. I think they're, they're going to find, you know, the little robotics things and things they do like that already starting to see those things kind of, uh, building a, a digital clock in a, in a wooden enclosure. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well that, okay. They might actually find that they like woodworking if they, you know, make a few cuts on the table saw and glue a few things together. Um, right. got a letter, uh, got an email, um, a couple of weeks ago from, uh, I didn't recognize the name right away, uh, but it, it was, uh, uh, it was a gal that grew up right across the street from me. She's married now and I didn't know what her oh. maiden name, uh, what her, what her married name was. So she said, Hey, Dave, this is Whitney. Uh, used to live across the street from me. From me. She said, uh, um, I just want to let you know. She said, uh, I, I started doing woodworking about, uh, about a year ago and fell in love with it. And she's 20, I'm going to say 26, 27 years old. So just so out of the clear blue sky, she just decided to start doing woodworking. And she oh, said, I fell in love with it. And then I uh, stumbled across your idea shop six. We have this uh, series we're doing right now where you can uh, set aside $150 per paycheck and starting okay. from scratch, b- build a, build an entire workshop. 
uh, a real woodworking wood shop, uh, a, a woodworking shop based on $150 per paycheck. Um, but she said, I saw that idea shop six. And she said, uh, I just want to let you know that, uh, you know, as soon as I get space, I'm going to, I'm going to start on that because I'm just loving woodworking. That's and great. so here's somebody that did not come up through the traditional channels at all. She didn't take a high school shop class. Um, she was, didn't grow up around it, but she's of that age that likes to do stuff and somehow got exposed to it. And I think that is a different inroad that we haven't considered as people that just the young people now are kind of getting back in thanks to the maker movement, I think to doing stuff and doing mm-hmm. stuff, I think is going to lead them eventually to, to woodworking. Will they build furniture? I think they will, uh, but they may not do it for a few years. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree. Um, or whichever direction they go from that make movement is, I think that once they find a direction, they're going to refine themselves and it'll be the equivalent of furniture and whatever, whatever aspect it happens to be. But uh, for those who are doing woodworking, I think furniture is the natural evolution of just wanting to be better and better at the craft. Yeah, I think so because it's the, it's the, the next logical challenge, right? I mean, you've built a, built a few boxes, uh, you know, to house, uh, your, the breadboard for your, I don't know, your robot, your drone, whatever. I'm not, not that much of a technology guy. Um, mm. but what is woodworking ultimately woodworking is all about building boxes and some yeah. boxes are more elaborate and sometimes you put boxes inside other boxes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the, it's most rudimentary, you know, cabinet making and, and, and building dressers and furniture is a lot of times about building boxes. If you can build yeah. a little one, you can build a big one. Yeah. I mean, my brother-in-law's approached me. He wanted to make speakers and he knows the electronic side of it. He goes, but what do I need for the box? I said, well, you know, you can talk, you know, you know, talk about all the details you need for that. And, you know, and then you, you know, it's all, it's all related, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of, a, a lot of things in those designs is going to come back to woodworking. I like your, you know, your mention there of, of backing into it, you know, it becomes a thing. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a goal when I was in school, and, and I'm I'm 54 years old, so I'm a lot older than you guys. But it was, you know, that was one of the things is you took wood shop, and we know that wood shop as a class is becoming a scarcity uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, but I'm we're starting to see with the STEM emphasis, we're starting to see a little of that come back. And and again, I think if if you can get starting start teaching people the technical side of whatever. They will mm-hmm. get used to doing things with their hands and the satisfaction they get from that. And eventually they will, they will come around to woodworking, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. my, my, uh, my 12-year-old seventh grader, he, he had a – there's, there's a STEM kind of thing in his school system. But um, he did have a, a little bit of a shop class. They only had it for a few months at a time. It's just an introductory stuff. Um, but he was real proud to come home and, and say that he aced the quiz on all the tools. They like went through, I think it was like 25 different tools. And the only thing he missed was some like adjusting a wrench, but he knew like, <laughs> he knew, you know, you know, all the little things that they were quizzed on. And I said, Oh, that's awesome guy. You know, it's, that is awesome. You know, yeah, he's been, he, he sees what I mess around with. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. And <clears throat> Dave, we're going to kind of wrap things up now, but we want to certainly thank you for, uh, for coming on and, telling us about Weekend with Ward. I know Sean and I are both very excited to do it. And um, for anyone who, has, anyone who hasn't signed up, space is limited. So uh, come join us. That's okay. going to be May 19th through the 22nd at the uh, Wood Magazine campus in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, I really, uh, really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, meeting you guys face-to-face. And uh, Des Moines is a great town. 
Um, if you choose not to do the uh, any of the after-hours events, or the, there'll be time after that, really, we've got a, a really vibrant downtown area, which is right adjacent to where we are. And uh, we've got um, we've got baseball and we've got arena football and uh, it's uh, it's I think you guys are going to be surprised at the city of Des Moines when you get here. You're got, I think you're not going to have a ball. I can't wait. Yeah, looking forward to it. Oh, we'll see All you right, in thanks May. Thanks very much. Yep. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, bye bye now. Sean, what other events do we have coming up? Woodworking in America, 2016. Uh, registration is now open. Go check them out. Uh, that's September 16th through 18th down in Covington, Kentucky. It is. Should be a good show, and we will see you there. If the little birdie is right on September, I'm assuming 15th is the Thursday. If this show starts on 16th, we'll have ourselves a little meetup that we're working to set up. So more wow. details to follow on that. Ah, the good little birdies. Mm. I like a, like a good little birdie. That's where we'll be. If if anybody knows of anything else out there, let us know, because we'll we'll love to share it. But oh, you know what big... else there is out there is um the delightful conference in Canada, which um, name whose name escapes me. Yeah, mine that too. One. Yeah, great. Um. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it in the show notes. I know it. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, oh. it's the weekend after Woodworking in America. That much yeah. I know. And it's Vic Teslin and yep. Neil Cronk is going to be there. And yeah, I mean, there's we'll get it. I can't think of it right now. But yes, um, that that's also uh, going to be there. Yeah, they're like the last weekend or third weekend in September. I could not tell you the date. I'm not that smart, but I know it is the it is the weekend after Woodworking in America. They're they're consecutive weekends. Got it. So, all right. Well, that just about wraps, wraps us up for this show. Uh, if you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss a ex- new exciting episode. While you're in iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating. That helps us rank uh, so others can more easily find us. And if you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle the Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. And if you happen to go on Uh, the MWA Facebook page. Uh, Everywhere else I shared it on my page. But if you go to the MWA Facebook page, you could see the uh, ridiculous computer setup I have sitting on my table saw right now and how we're recording tonight. Wait, what? I'm going now. That being said, Sean, where can people find out more about you? All right. I'm Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop at SeanW78 on Twitter and Instagram and on the Facebook. I'm Sean Wisniewski. And I am Diami Plotke of penultimatewoodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotke on the Twitter. I am Penultimate Woodshop on Instagram. I am Diami Plotke on the Facebooks. And I'm Penultimate Chair on um, on my forgotten social platform of Tumblr. Oh, Tumblr. Mm. <laughs> so if you're woodworking and showing your work on any of those platforms, please uh, look us up. And in the meantime, enjoy your time in the shop.